As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. It's straight out of copper. Michelle about Chelsea FC from The Athletic. Today, Capital Carnage is Blues dealt Hammers blow. Did Moises enjoy his debut? I see no. Chuck Wameka joins the Nenak posse and Brighton Co. suffer World Cup final heartbreak. It all sounds a bit too last season-y for my taste. Available for free wherever you get your podcasts and ad-free on The Athletic. This is straight out of Cobham. We are back for the first of our bi-weekly dose of Chelsea chat. It's me, Matt Davis-Adams, joined today by the Athletics Chelsea expert, Simon Johnson. How are you doing, Simon? Optimism or optimism? <laughs> yeah, don't worry. It's early in the season, etc. and so on. It'll all be fine. Luke Bosch is back with us too from the Athletic. Uh, Luke, it's Monday morning. Chelsea have lost. England lost the World Cup final. Give me some reason to be happy. Um, you've put me on the spot there, Matt, but... Um... <laughs> I quite literally have nothing. Okay, great. All right. Well, we'll see how we, uh, if yes. we can cheer everybody up yes. as the pod goes on. Luke is one of us. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's taken like, what, three shows for you to be... I mean, it's Chelsea, isn't it? It's not our fault. Uh, here's a tweet that reaches us via the thumbs of at S. Johnson Sport. It says, Caicedo is already looking comfortable in the hashtag CFC shirt, dot, dot, dot. He's sitting in front of Chelsea defence, Fernandez to his right, Gallagher to his left. Meanwhile, Pacatars just made a meal of things. Play on, hashtag WHU chair. Uh, sadly, they did play on, and we'll talk about what happened next. Is Enzo Fernandez three minutes out from half time on enemy territory? Fernandez, plunges. Caicedo's indiscretion. This type of game that is difficult to explain because um, you you had the possession, you create, and, and maybe you were better side, but uh, on the end you lose. Now West Ham United two, Chelsea one. Then an absolute moising for the Blues in East London on Sunday. Let's start with a remix of the Beatles classic "Twist and Shout" featuring a new vocal from Simon Johnson. Have I been transported back to last season? Feels like it. West Ham 3, Chelsea 1, and this is basically 
what we saw last season. Well, no, that's not entirely true. Uh, by the way, as I start my ramble, uh, Chelsea players are applauding the fairly a few hundred Chelsea fans that have stayed for the final whistle. Uh, the amount that headed out as the uh, as Paqueta lined up his injury time penalty and then scored it, it was uh, impressive first of speed. I'd say a lot of those Chelsea fans showed more speed than um, Frederick. It was uh, very impressive. They're already probably halfway home already. There's West Ham fans celebrate all around me. What a bizarre game of football that is. Um, very indicative of Chelsea's same old problems, I'm afraid. They dominated uh, most of that game, especially the first half. Didn't take their chances. West Ham made it ugly, made it physical. Uh, got around Nicholas Jackson a lot more in the second half. Enzo Fernandez became less of a dictating influence. Casado came off his debut. Don't think um, it's a debut he will remember fondly. He looked off the pace, unsurprisingly. Pochettino said before the game, uh, both on Friday and in his pre-match press conference, uh, pre-match, sorry, uh, press interview, that he wasn't starting because uh, of all the turmoil the last few weeks. He was ready, particularly, and it showed. Um, there's some early signs that he looked good, but no, the, the, the tackle in the penalty area for the penalty just summed up that he was a little bit off the pace. Um, perhaps Pochettino uh, should have stuck with his gut instinct. But yeah, I'm surrounded by West Ham fans uh, in great, great mood. And rightly so. They, they've got this hoodoo over Chelsea at this stadium. I, I keep coming here seeing West Ham draw or win in the same fashion. They make it ugly, they make it physical, they make get bodies around Chelsea players, sit back and hit them on the counter and wait for the mistakes. And uh, Chelsea defensively were very poor today. We, we, we saw defensive weakness against Liverpool last Sunday, particularly in that first half an hour, but they got stronger as the game went on as a defensive unit. But um, you couldn't say the same about uh, how they played at London Stadium. They looked nervous throughout, particularly set pieces. Antonio, uh, as always, beat them up a bit because Sassi didn't really seem to know how to deal with him. Neither did Colwell to a degree. So, um, yeah, a lot of disappointment after some um, early optimism with the Liverpool result and performance. It's not a disaster, but perhaps with um, time left in the transfer window and all the money Chelsea spent, this is another signal that they have to go out and spend some more Simon, you talk about putting the ball in the back of the net there. Your post-match piece up on The Athletic posits the possibility of purchasing a new poacher. Uh, do you think that, that, that this is what Chelsea will actually go and do? Why is it not going to be Romelu Lukaku? And was Mason Burstow's introduction a genuine thought of that's how we're going to get back in the game? Or was it a pointed sign to, to the people up in the expensive seats at the London Stadium representing Chelsea that they're going to need to go back in the market for another striker? Right. Well, uh... <laughs> you can tell I've had a coffee, can't you? <laughs> Where do I begin? Well, as I say in the piece, that they weren't assigned an attacking player anyway, as was shown with um, the pursuit of uh, Elise, for example, Palace. But it does feel like with Broya possibly, who knows what's happening with Broya and, and for the rest of this window, there's a big assumption that he's going to come into the squad. Well, who knows? Who knows on that one? 
that it does feel like there's there's Nicholas Jackson and, and who else? Who else is going to put the ball in the back of the net? And of course, he hasn't even done that himself yet. But at the moment, I still get the impression it's it's more of an attacking player rather than a centre forward. But things can change. It, it does feel like Badadag Bali was there. The co-sporting directors were there at the game yesterday. And it, it must have been hitting them in the face as much as it would have done Pochettino. I asked Pochettino directly in the post-match press conference, would Chelsea need to go into the market to solve this? And as I highlight in the piece, he either didn't hear me, forgot that was part of the question or, or chose to sidestep it. But I always find that when coaches put on such a raw player in such a big occasion, and I really want to... Ha- you know, emphasise this is not digging out Mason Burst though. He's he's a player of of potential that, that Chelsea like, but for a kid of his experience to be put in that situation to go on rescue a point in a Premier League game in the last few minutes, for me that did send a message. It did send a message that well, we'll look at look at what I have available to me right now. There's time to go in this window, and I know other clubs fans. And perhaps Chelsea's own fans, they'll be sort of, well, surely you can't turn to the market to to solve this problem. But there is a problem, a goal-scoring problem at this football club. And as for Lukaku, Pochettino was asked about him in the pre-match press conference, and he was adamant that, that nothing's changed. He, he was aware before he even took over what the situation was, which was there's going to be a parting of the ways. And is he the answer anyway? the way that he's been the last few years. It's not like he's been scoring goals, not like he's been fit. So it's very frustrating because you can see that, as has been the case for for a number of years, and and even last season, as bad as they were, that this goal-scoring problem is is a continued uh, millstone around their neck that they just can't shake. And... um, you know, once again, it is costing them points on a, on a. You could argue it's already cost them, with my most optimistic hat on. Alert! You could argue they could have easily started the season with two wins, but instead they've got one point. Yeah, that quote from uh, Pochettino on Lukaku: "We cannot spend energy on a situation that was clear before we arrived at Chelsea." Uh, well done to Mason Burstow, though. Nizar Kinsella of the uh, Standard pointing out he's gone from Maidstone United to Chelsea's first team in three years, which is pretty incredible, certainly to do it in 2023. Let's get on to the game then, Luke. There was just one change to the starting lineup. Gusto in for the injured Reese James. W- were you surprised that Moises Caicedo wasn't in from the off, or did it become apparent why he wasn't when he came on? No, to be honest, that didn't surprise me at all, given that he was out of the Brighton squad towards the end of their preseason with all the, the sort of transfer noise going on around. He didn't play in their final preseason game. He didn't play in their first league game. And, you know, there was all this, you know, he was supposedly based in London rather than training with Brighton. And I think we all saw when he came on, he looked rusty. I think he looked like a player that hadn't really been preparing adequately uh, for for Premier League football. And, you know, it's by no means to say he's a bad player or, you know, whatever, but I think he will just take time to bet into this Chelsea team. You know, he's obviously very new to the club, new to Pochettino. And, you know, I think it's important to remember something that I think it's Jurgen Klopp has said recently or in the past that for a lot of Premier League clubs and players, 
preseason essentially lasts until the first international break because of the transfer window and you know getting players in late that haven't been training as you would like them and you know this is an example of that and this is an example of where Chelsea have been after a player for such a long time didn't manage to get the deal done during preseason and this is a potential ramification of that because he doesn't look ready to slot into the team as other clubs big money signings do you know Declan Rice looked very ready to slot into the Arsenal team. Man United have had Mason Mount on their books for weeks and, you know, although Man United haven't been playing that well, but he looks ready to play. And yeah, I think it will take a little bit of time for Caicedo to to get up to speed. In terms of the game, Simon, it was a real sort of Sven Juran Eriksson of a, of a game, wasn't it? First half good, second half not so good. Chelsea conceded an absolutely dreadful goal, let's be perfectly honest. I'm not sure where Conor Gallagher was. Uh, again, free to head it home for 1-0. But then... The response was fantastic, right? Loads of fluidity, people popping up here, there and everywhere. Sterling being the, the Raheem Sterling of yore. Carney Chukwemeka with his first senior goal. Was the turning point for you there after the Chukwemeka injury or maybe the, the Enzo dreadful penalty? Both. Both, I think. Um, one, the, the mindset for both teams. West Ham would have gone into the break post-penalty thinking, wow, we're still in this. What a bonus. Chelsea were thinking once again, dominating a game and, and we're not two goals up. And then you've got the the actual the way the team was functioning and with Chip Wimbecca having a, a, a really good game and and and surely as well the sort of the downer of seeing yet another injury. I mean it must it must be sort of if people outside the dressing room are thinking, oh for goodness sake. I mean it, my tweet was you know, surely not, because it just it just feels like an injury a game, it, it, and and they're not just little tweaks. They they always seem to be the serious ones, and it and it must be driving uh, the club. Uh, it must be very frustrating for the club, but you know, worrying for the players. You know that this keeps happening to to, to one of their own. Just quickly touching on the Casado tweet that you flagged. Um, I think I posted that after about five minutes, and I was sort of referring to. Also, just the way he was, you could see he was ordering players around and, and just seemed very comfortable. I then revisited that tweet and just uh, posted uh, uh, one word. Uh, I just replied to myself saying delete um, at the final whistle, which got some humorous replies as always. Some people going, um, you should delete more of your posts, etc. And they probably have a point. But yeah, it is, it is very frustrating. But to be honest, the game did not surprise me. West Ham, I've been to the London Stadium several times. The record there is terrible. It's very much become a sort of similar kind of game as what happens at Everton a lot. A very ugly, you know, the, the opponents play very ugly, defensive, negative football, um, look for the set pieces, look f- and, and then get a scrappy goal and then sit back and work on the counter. But what encouraged me is in the first half, even though Chelsea fell behind, is that Chelsea's superior football was too much for West Ham and Jackson was a constant threat and you've already mentioned Sterling and and, and it was looking good. Fernandes looked, looked superb. What the disappointing thing was the second half, the second half was nothing like the same. I don't think it's simply because Mudrick was on the pitch and, and was, was struggling. West Ham got bodies around Jackson a lot more successfully. Fernandes faded as an influence and the the performance against ten men was particularly bad because I actually turned to my West Ham colleague Rashane Thomas and with a few minutes to go and I I actually admitted I went 
oh, I completely forgot that West Ham were down to 10 men. That's how bad it was because you, you felt you felt actually that West Ham were having their most dominant period of the game in terms of negating Chelsea and making life difficult for them whilst they were down to 10 men. And that, that is not a very good sign. Yeah, again, getting a red card, a second bookable offence, and that just allowed West Ham to drop further back into their own penalty area and try and pick Chelsea off. Uh, we'll wait for updates on on Carney Chukwemeka. I'm wondering what phrase we've heard more often this summer. I'm told Chelsea's interest is genuine or he's having a scan. I think they're both about 50-50 at this point. So he goes off at half-time, Luke. Mikhailo Mudrik comes on to take his place. Here's a tweet from Andrew who says, Mudrik has had fewer than 50 games for Shakhtar and Chelsea, needs minutes to develop. He created chances, yet some fans have dismissed him like they did with Carney pre-game. The old win-now approach was failing, so why are some fans refusing to give young players the time they need. I guess the problem is that when you do things like shank a volley out of play almost for a throw-in, that makes it a bit more difficult for people to to see what you can do. Was he put on in the wrong position for you? Do, do you think that he, he's ever going to come good for Chelsea? Um, I don't think he was put on in the wrong position necessarily. I think, you know, that Mauricio Pochettino had basically no other option uh, as to who to bring on for Chukwamaker when you look at Chelsea's options off the bench. I don't think Madueke at that stage would have been the right move because Sterling was playing so well on on that right-hand side. And the thing with Mudrik for me is that a lot of the time, and I think this is something that fans get frustrated by, is because he hasn't had a great start to his Chelsea career now, he looks like he's just trying so hard every time he gets the ball and almost overcompensating. And he's trying to, you know, beat three men or play the perfect pass or, you know, score unbelievable volley. And and sometimes you just need to do the simple things well and focus on those. And then, you know, the more complex things will come more naturally. And as the, the tweet points out, he has had very few senior games in his professional career. So that is something that hopefully he will learn and hopefully he will learn while at Chelsea because he did he had a few good things i mean his pace both over long and short distances is something that continues to astound me because he's not built like a sprinter or you know looks particularly athletic but he can just breeze past players and that is you know it's a deadly asset um especially when you're chasing a game just to be able to get that half yard of space to get a cross in and i think he will be afforded more opportunities this year. I think hopefully fans will be kind to him, um, especially at Stamford Bridge. And he just needs, I think he just needs a season and he has got a very good coach now. You know, it's it's not like last season or the second half of last season where he was being coached by, you know, three different different managers. He's now got Pochettino who has a very good track record of working with young players, young forwards. And I just hope, I hope that it, it comes together. I think that, the biggest thing to coach, you know, you could argue it's his, some of his technique. Whatever. I just think it's between the ears. I, I, I, all the noises you, you hear from the Chelsea players is that they really rate this guy. And that they obviously see him in training. They're not, they're not just going to trot out spin off the top of the head in every interview and just say this guy. Chilwell, I think, spoke about, I think, um, in the chat with Liam um, on tour and the rest of the guys that were on that tour and, and, and sort of, spoke about, you know, how he's been talking to him and saying, sort of believe in yourself more. And I remember being told last season that one of his teammates was speaking to him and saying, look, you, you just be calm when you're in the area. Just be calm. You, you, you're snatching at things. Just relax. It will come. It will come. 
it's kind of touching on on Luke's point uh, sort of about sort of s- just snatching on things a little bit when the penalty area comes in. I think there is a good player in there. I think we saw it out in pre-season, but I think confidence-wise, he, he appears very brittle. He, he appears sort of someone that that almost doesn't doesn't have enough belief in himself that he actually truly belongs on this stage when. You know, Chelsea haven't spent all this money on him if they didn't think he does. Yeah, divisive figure on Chelsea Twitter. At SO Cobb and Pob, by the way, if you want to get in touch with the show. Uh, Chris says, despite the outlay, the usual issues remain. Can't take chances. Set pieces are poor. Spine of the team still isn't clear. Injury curse strikes again. Mudrick is average at best. Looks like he's won a prize to play in the first team. Uh, another Luke, not our Luke, writes, with how dominant with the ball we were today, were you surprised Poch didn't change to four at the back with the full-backs pushed up high and Mudrick and Sterling staying close to Jackson? Felt like even when we were chasing the goals, we were still passing around the back three. Um, Simon, you were there, so I guess you had a, a, a better grasp on what the formation was. I mean, fluid is the word, I guess. It, do you think that there was a set formation? It, it looked like it was changing all the time to me. Yeah, it was a bit like... Certainly, before Casado came on, I thought it was very much like Liverpool last week. You know, the sort of the going from three to a four, depending whether in possession or out of possession. What I would say is defensively, I don't think it's working. Both games, Chelsea have looked pretty ropey at the back. Um, I would say so. It's only two games, so you sort of go look. You know, hopefully things will get better. And of course, you've got you've got Disassi and Colwell both trying to settle in at the same time, which is never ideal, and a new goalkeeper trying to settle in too. Which So you would hope with time that they'll they'll get stronger. What I found odd, just, just quickly, because we didn't touch it, I think you mentioned it, um, Gallagher, the set piece. Why was Gallagher marking one of West Ham's centre-backs when Chelsea got three on the pitch? I didn't understand that. That, that seems odd to me. It wasn't a fair fight, as was shown. Again, just pushed Gallagher off and free header. And, and Chuck Wemmicker was the other player that was close to him. I'll have to watch it back, what the other centre-halves were doing. I think De Sassi, I think I spotted, was with Zuma. So, yeah, I need to see where Silver and Colwell were. But it, it seemed a very odd setup to me. Anthony Barry, where are you? Uh, oh, yeah, Bayern Munich. I mean. Mind you, Chelsea's defending from set pieces will start going downhill under him. So it, it, it's not a... It's not a new thing, but but yeah, and and then when Casado came on, I thought it then turned into that sort of three man midfield with Casado the deeper and and Fernandez to the right, Gallagher to the left. But I, it didn't work for me. It seemed like it only succeeded in negating what Fernandez had been doing. He seemed to be a lot further out of the game when he was to the right, whereas in the first half he was he seemed to be sort of almost everywhere and just stringing passes together, but. Um, but you know, it's it's easy to overreact, isn't it? I think because we, we're still carrying the, the the baggage from last season. Inevitably, when there was a setback this season, it's going to be oh, here we go again. It was a bit of a freak as well. You know, Chelsea dominated a game they should have won, and and and West Ham once again. I mean, even David Moyes was kind of you could tell his post-match interviews sort of had that air of I can't believe my luck kind of thing. But I'll take it. Yeah, 76% possession for Chelsea. Um, Luke, we know we're not going to see Wesley Fofana for much of this season, if at all. Benoit Badia-Shield 
closer to returning. Do you think when he's fit, Chelsea will go to to a back four then? It was um, a bit of a difficult day for, for Dizazi, wasn't it? Yeah, that's quite a tough one because for see Colwell and Badia Shile profile quite similarly, both fairly tall left-footed centre-backs who you know, have the ability to either drive forward or, or play very incisive forward passes. And, you know, in an ideal world, Chelsea, you know, would probably look to play them together uh, in a back four, but that's not something you see very often. I know um, Spain, actually, in their national team have done it several times, playing two left-footed centre-backs in a back four. And and whether Pochettino opts to do that or whether he opts to to stick with a back three and maybe put Badia Shield or Cole Will in the middle, drop Silver out um, and play Dizarsi still on that right-hand side. I'm not sure. There's a lot of options. I personally wouldn't like to see Cole Will drop out the side. I think he's been asked to do a lot in this sort of hybrid left centre-back, left-back role with Chilwell marauding forward. He's being left to cover huge swathes of space, uh, which we saw a lot against Liverpool. Um, was quite difficult for him. And his passing as well, and you know his ability to drive forward remains a really key asset, I think, in Chelsea's build-up play. So I think when Badia Shile does come back, it may take a little bit of time, or you know, God forbid, another injury uh, for for him to get back into the team. And it, just a word on Dizassi or Dizassi, um it, it was difficult for him, and he didn't look comfortable defending Mikhail Antonio at all times, but. It's Mikhail Antonio, like he's been giving defenders the runaround, very strong defenders the runaround for a number of years at West Ham. So I don't think that's necessarily a, a fair barometer of his defensive capability. And I thought his his passing as well in the first half, I don't, I don't know if you guys noticed, but I thought he played one or two really clean, crisp passes uh, through the lines into the feet of, of Jackson or Sterling. I think that's a very useful asset uh, and not one to be overlooked. All right, well, three uh, winnable-looking home games for Chelsea up next. Luton on Friday night. We'll preview that on Thursday's show. Then Wimbledon in the Cup. And then, well, what to be fair, looks like a a pretty tricky one against fellow two-time European champions, Nottingham Forest. Okay, next today, we'll do some transfer chat. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. A little bit of transfer news. Hakim Ziyech has now gone to Galatasaray. Uh, Luke, that was a really cool way to announce him, getting him to stand on the terrace with the speakerphone and kind of lead the chanting. Uh, I quite enjoyed that, maybe more than I enjoyed many, if not all, of his contributions in the Chelsea show. İşte Galatasaray'ın yeni transferi, fast oyuncu Hakim Ziyech. Tribünde, ultraslanın içinde yeni transfer. Yeah, I think um, it's not necessarily a player that many Chelsea fans will... Um... Will be sad to see shown the exit door, but you know, it, it, he never did anything, you know, 
overtly that wrong uh, in a Chelsea shirt. So, you know, wish him all the best. And yeah, I mean, I hope that's not the uh, crowning moment of his Galatasaray career. Otherwise, um, he, he may be chased out of uh, Turkey as uh, as quickly as he was welcomed in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he did score against Spurs. We shouldn't forget that. Pierre Emmerich Abamyang with a nice bit of trolling on Instagram uh, with a picture of Ziyech signing his contract. All the best, my bro. Free Hakim laughing face emoji, fist in solidarity emoji, hands doing love heart emoji. Thanks for that, Pierre Emmerich. Well, was there was there not hashtag bomb squad? <laughs> but what I would say, I just want to touch on Ziyech. He's a classic example of where recruitment it's already well signing a player with ability, but it's also you got to try and sign the character as well. And I didn't get to talk to Ziak at all during his, his spell at Chelsea, but I judge him from what I've seen. And clearly there's ability there. There, there were things that he did occasionally. You just went, that's amazing. And you've got the ability, but the mentality is letting you down. It has to be because you've got, You've shown you can do something amazing, but then, you know, then you don't see it or you put in a performance where you're barely running and, and, and trying from, from my expert eye. And you sort of think back to that 2020 transfer window, all the hope and excitement. We would have talked about it on this show, all the hope and excitement about it. There's The signing seems so good. You're talking Werner, Havertz, Ziyech. Edouard Mendy, perhaps not so much excitement, but he came in and, and, and for 15 months or so was amazing. You sort of think of all that and they've all gone already. And there's base essentially only, um, as I tweeted the others, there's only Ben Chilwell and Thiago Silva left from that 2020 window. And you just hope, of course, that history isn't going to repeat itself and that the, the excitement around, for example, this transfer window and January's transfer window I'm not sitting here. Hopefully, I am sitting here, actually. It's still in a few years' time. <laughs> but I hope I'm not sitting here in a few years' time going, oh, the 2023 transfer window, what a disaster that was. Um, certainly, the 2022 one is already in that category. Uh, shout out to Paul Wynn Stanley and Lawrence Stewart, obviously regular listeners to the pod, because what was it? A week or so after I suggested that Brennan Johnson might be a good acquisition for Chelsea, word is that they are looking at him simon is the interest genuine there is a deal to be done i feel from certainly from forest sides they, they're looking at book balancing in terms of of ffp so he could be got this summer if chelsea really want them it's not going to be an elise contract murking situation <laughs> yes it is genuine and um you you may not have noticed i pulled a face when you mentioned it on the on the podcast because i'd already was aware of Chelsea's interest, but I just couldn't talk about it. <laughs> but yeah, it's actually, um, they've been interested in him for a few weeks now. Clearly, Elise was ahead of him in the pecking order, which is perhaps why it hasn't emerged elsewhere until until the last few days. But now, of course, with, with the setback with Elise, perhaps they, they will now step it up. I don't think he's the only one on their list. I think they, they're considering... Uh, quite a few players for for this kind of attacking role, but certainly it does seem like it's it's a genuine possibility. There seems to be what well, what I find an interesting subplot to all this is there seems to be a bit of a Forest Brentford rivalry, from what I'm told, and that Forest don't really want to sell to Brentford and that they would rather him be sold to Chelsea. 
uh, yeah, there's something going on there, um, which I find quite interesting. But um, also, I, I suppose from a Forest point of view, it looks better, doesn't it? That one of your best players goes to, um, how shall I phrase this delicately so that Matt doesn't hang up on me? A club, well, I was going to say the club that's on the up, but, you know, they're 15th now. So can I really say that? But you know what I mean? A club that in recent years has been established as one of the best, biggest clubs in Europe, whereas Brentford are a club on the up in a different way. But obviously in the grand scheme of things are not seen as a, yeah, they're they're seen on a similar footing to Forest in terms of the league position potentially. I'm probably digging myself a deeper hole to judging by Matt's facial expression. Well, yeah, seen on a similar uh, footing these days, but certainly not. In, no, um, not in history or size no. of the club. You know, stadiums twice as big. Yeah, we're not we're not selling him to Brentford. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to Chelsea. You're not going to Brentford. <laughs> um, I, I do kind of feel like Chelsea are actually quite well stocked in the position that Johnson plays. So, is he necessary? Is, is he going to come in and you know get? 15 games and 12 of them will be from the bench or do you think he's got the quality where he could actually nudge out uh, whoever it is Madweke, Sterling uh, all the other players Chelsea have got in those wide positions yeah it's quite an interesting one because I think Chelsea fans might be a bit frustrated at signing up another player who is sort of a striker but also maybe not really a striker because he has played as as a number nine for for Forest but also off the right hand side and a little bit off the left as well and I, I kind of agree with you there I think because he is, especially because he's right-footed, I think he profiles quite similarly to to other kind of players in the squad. I know Raheem Sterling started on the right-hand side for Chelsea, uh, but, you know, Sterling, Mudrick, you know, even Jackson and Kunku, Chukwamaker, you could add into that mix. They're all sort of right-footed players who, who you know, often are at their best when operating in that kind of, that little half space and then cutting inside on their right. And Madweke is the only one currently um, who is left-footed. And I think that brings a really good balance to the team when you have different footed players, because it just gives you so many different options. And that is kind of what I, that's what I liked about Alise, because he is, a, he's a left-footed player as well. And, and Brennan Johnson isn't, but I think there's, there's certainly something there. I mean, there's obviously a reason as to why clubs are interested in him and he, he did pretty well last year in his first Premier League season. But I think, you know, for me, the, the money that's being spoken about for him, given his sort of relative lack of top level experience, is a bit much. A um, bit rich for my blood. Fair enough. His dad, David, obviously former Forest player, used to do a bit of scouting for Chelsea, didn't he? So I think there's probably still a, an existing relationship there. Now, what about outgoings, Simon? We're expecting this to kind of pick up a bit in the next week or two. Still a few loans to sort out, but but every day I read about a, a new club link with Conor Gallagher, Trevor Chalobah, people like this who, you know, the phrase of the moment is pure profit, isn't it? Are Chelsea still looking to shift a few out as well? Oh, for sure. And and of course, we're, we're, we're waiting on the Lewis Hall announcement to make it official I know that that departure has definitely divided opinion and it sounds like it's going to be an initial loan with an obligation to buy I'm led to believe yet to get it stood up from another source but this may be a sort of financial fair play reason behind that because why why wouldn't Chelsea just sell outright now but Newcastle perhaps are doing a dance in that regard but like I said that that's not been confirmed from elsewhere but it certainly was what was suggested to me is the reason behind the the, the nature of this 
of this loan and obligation. And it'll be sad to see him go. Chalaber, there, there's a there's a big question mark now over whether he can be sold because whether anyone will buy him because he suffered a, as I reported, he suffered a, a hamstring injury uh, last week in training. It must have been almost the same time as Miss James suffered his. Incredible. And inevitably, you know, buying a injured player, Chelsea will want top money for Chalaba, but he's injured. It, it, it leaves question marks. Gallagher, I did, again, refer, referring to my Twitter account again, I did have to remark when he was booed off by West Ham. I was like, he could be signing him next week. <laughs> um, he could be buying this guy. And yeah, I won't be surprised if, if Gallagher sold. Although, does Chuck... Well, Took um because Carney's injury. <laughs> perhaps what I need to do whilst he's injured is just spent going a Chukwemeka pronunciation course. Lucy's going to Chukwemeka. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. Just every week, go into a room and just spend five minutes sort of having to pronounce his name. Yeah, but maybe it's <laughs> a Johnson tangent. Maybe that changes things. You know, if if. It looked bad. It looked like, of course, Chelsea, you know, knowing Chelsea lately, it's not going to be a two-weeker. It's going to be a six-month, eight-month rest of the season job because that's just the way it seems to be going for them. And then, of course, do you really want to sort of lose someone like Gallagher who who kind of can play in that similar role? And I'd like to almost see him playing that role further up the pitch where he can actually express himself and be a threat in the box because he can score the kind of goal that Chick Wimaker scored the London Stadium. That that's what he did for Palace. So anyway, that's me rambling on as PG. Hudson Adoy, we're still waiting for Hudson Adoy to get his move. Yeah, I mean, you'd think that maybe Chelsea would bundle him in with some cash for Johnson if the Fulham thing's breaking down because it'd be a decent replacement for Forrest. We shall see. Does he want to go there, Matt? That's the thing. You know, is he is he leaning more towards staying a London boy close to his roots? So there's that equation. Although, you know, I think Forrest is not just saying this because you're the host, but I find it very odd if you're turning your nose up at Forest. It's not like a million miles away from London. It's it's not, not the other side of the world. Yeah, not to make this straight out of Forest, but uh, Frank Clark persuaded Brian Roy to sign for Forest on the basis that it was a 45-minute commute to London, which it absolutely is not. <laughs> but we can try that again with Callum if needs be. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. All right, elsewhere in Chelsea news, the World Cup final ended in heartbreak for the Chelsea contingent after England captain by Millie Brighton with Jess Carter alongside her lost 1-0 to Spain in the final of the Women's World Cup on Sunday. Um, Luke, am I negative to say that overall this was not a great World Cup for, for Chelsea players? I mean, Millie Bright obviously got herself fit, captain England, but they lost the final. Sam Kerr was supposed to be the star of the tournament. She scored that amazing goal against England, but wasn't anywhere near as involved as she would have liked, nor Australia, because of her injury. You had, you know, Wrighton in Norway, also runs in the tournament, France out in the quarters. I was kind of expecting us to get a Chelsea World Cup winner this year. 
Yeah, so as I'm at, I think uh, there was definitely a big potential for that. But <laughs> I think you're being a slightly harsh as well, although, you know, you didn't even mention uh, Canada and their sort of, they they very much fizzled out of the tournament, having having also been spoken about as a potential favourite. But I think certainly the English contingent did themselves, you know, really, really proud. I think as you, you know, spoken about Millie Bright, but for me, you know, Alex Greenwood was getting a lot of plaudits and, and quite rightly she played superbly. But I, some of Jess Carter's defending, you know, right up the way into the final, that I think she was sliding block she did late on in the game was absolutely unbelievable, like genuinely unbelievable defending. And uh, I think her stock for me has risen so much. And that's really good to see on a on a big stage because I think she's often a player that gets underappreciated and overlooked um, in, in WSL games. And, and Lauren James as well, of course before her red card, you know, was looking like potential star of the tournament, you know, golden ball winner. And I think having three, you know, England finalists is is a great achievement. And I think, you know, a lot of the players can can look back and be very proud of the contributions they made uh, throughout the tournament. Yeah, Jess Carter, very much the CFC MVP. Simon, what kind of reaction do you think Lauren James will get? I'm sure she'll be welcomed back by Chelsea supporters, but do you think she might get a bit of stick at opposition grounds or, or will people forget that red card because England got to the final anyway? I think, you know, there's always a danger that you'll get a, a, a small contingent, but I I don't get the impression that, that the women's game, that the people that go to women's matches are quite as toxic as... Certainly, I, I don't see any sort of David Beckham-esque reaction and and chance of you let your country down and all that and also i think there's a certain i mean there was some there's some headlines obviously when the red card incident happened but i do think there's a there's an understanding that that she's young it was a moment of, of madness and and not in keeping with their character certainly this is where emma hayes will come to the fore her ability to to manage the situation, manage players. I'm sure she'll get her arm round her and and and get her back to sort of me- being mentally right to, to take on, to help with Chelsea's WSL defence. I think the fact that she didn't miss the final was, was huge because just imagine for her personally, that would always be a what-if moment if she'd set out that final and she got on the pitch. I understand why she didn't start, you know, not changing a winning team and, and and perhaps Viegman was also wary of, of James showing that sort of inexperience with the, with the red card incident. But I would rather focus on the positives and, and, and clearly I think a lot of people will just think that this is a player that can only get better and, and perhaps the experience will help her because undoubtedly she's going to be targeted by opponents in that way to try and frustrate her and so on. And, and, you know, she's learned that lesson early in her career and, and hopefully she'll uh, benefit from it. Six weeks, by the way, until the WSL season kicks off. As far as the Chelsea Academy sides go, the under-21s lost 3-2 at home to Brighton on Friday despite a Ronnie Stutter double. Uh, their next game is at Norwich on this Friday, Friday of this week. Better news for the under-18s. They beat Crystal Palace in their season opener, courtesy of Donnell McNeely's brace. 2-1 the score there. And well done to Cesare Cassidy. He marked his Leicester debut by bagging a 92nd-minute winner for the Foxes against Cardiff in the Championship. 
All right, that's just about going to do us for today. As I said, at SO Cobham Pod on Twitter, if you want to get in touch with us, theathletic.com slash Chelsea Pod is the place to go to sign up. If you're not currently a subscriber to The Athletic, you can become one for just £1.99 a month for 12 months. What can people read from you up there now, Simon? And what have you got planned? So, yes, the, the much-plugged match piece. Chipped in a little bit on the Michael Elise read of, of, of how Crystal Palace kept him. And Chelsea missed out, which is which is on the site, but being led by Matt Woosnam and, and, and David Ornstein. Finally, at some point this week, will be the the big sort of Casado Lavia read. But we feel that the timing may not be right. A bit like my tweet during the game. Went a bit early, but it, it will be put out sometime this week, probably closer towards the Luton game, uh, which I won't be at. Uh, I think Liam is uh, is back from his holes and will be hoping to have more of a success, more of a win rate than I've got, which is played two, one none, drawn one, lost one, and the morose tone is back. <laughs> uh, Luke, are Chelsea going to beat Luton on Friday night? Give us some positivity to end the pod on, please. Yeah, I think it'll be you know, four or five now for sure. Okay, great. Wow. What a way to go out. <laughs> Let's hope so. Oh, here's some breaking news. Producer Lucy's just telling me that people can email us, if you like, soc at theathletic.com. If you want to drop us a line via electronic mail, why not? We might even read some of them out in Thursday's show when we'll be looking ahead to Luton and talking about all the transfer speculation that quickly becomes dated in the time between us finishing the pod and Lucy uploading it. Do join us for that if you can. For now, though, from all of us here, it's goodbye. The Athletic.